The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Glad to have you with us once again for the show. And uh, as always, goals here along with Lior, help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll get to all that and things you should never do without calling Lior first. And uh, these are a, a good list of things to keep in mind. If things come down the uh, the road, you're unexpected or otherwise you don't know where to go, you make that phone call. We'll give you that information throughout the show as well. In the meantime, you can always go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca to get uh, lots more while we do the show over the next hour. So uh, how are you, pal? What's going on? Hey, John. Always uh, great to be here Saturday morning to talk about employment <laughs> law, to hopefully get people's attention about things that you really need to understand, really need to know about. You know, we, we could be talking about a lot of things, but uh, certainly nothing, to my view, has been as important as employment law, certainly over the past, you know, eight or nine months or so as we've yeah. been dealing with this pandemic. Uh, people's jobs have been impacted, people's compensation, job security, uh, hours of work, income, all of those things have been impacted in a significant way. But the one thing that hasn't changed, the constant throughout this, has been the law. Employment laws have remained the same. Employment laws are still here to protect you, to give you rights, to ensure that you're treated fairly, to provide you with the proper compensation if you lost your job. So there may be confusion out there in terms of what actually the law is. That's why we're here, to, to answer those questions and to educate. So don't be bashful. Take uh, Pick up the phone. Give us a call right now. Ask your question about workplace rights, if whether it's for you or for someone else, a friend, a loved one. Maybe you're worried about something happening now towards the end of the year. Maybe you're, uh, you've just had something happen to you and you want to know if it's right or illegal. No need to wonder anymore. Now is the time. Now is the place to call. Or option B, of course, is, uh, as John said, you can always reach out to me at the office so we can have a private discussion. We'll give you that contact information throughout the show. But now that we're here, let's get going. A couple situations that I wanted to talk about. First one, I spoke with a gentleman who was recently let go for cause from his employer. Now, what happened here is uh, prior to that, and some, some weeks prior to that, he got into uh, an altercation with a neighbor uh, over at his neighborhood. And uh, not sure exactly what happened, but the result was that this person ended up getting charged with assault. Uh, because of this altercation with the neighbor, he denied that he really did anything wrong. He has a lawyer dealing with those criminal charges. But fast forward a couple of weeks after that, his employer finds out and says, wait a second. You've been charged with a criminal offense. We can't have someone like that working here, so we're going to let you go for cause. That's that's not possible. Uh, so very upset, of course, calls me, and he wants to know, is this right or you know, is this legal? So a cause termination, just to be clear, happens when an employer lets someone go because it's just impossible to continue employing them. That's not the case here. His employer could not legally let him go for cause. Now, um, whatever happened with that charge with the neighbor, the criminal charge, it doesn't really impact the workplace. It's not a situation that the employer has any reason to believe it's going to impact his job or is going to put his coworkers in any danger. Uh, it's not going to cause people not to want to talk to him. It's not that type of a situation. Because of that, no, they can't let him go for cause. Now, it may be different if he was charged with uh, having child pornography or you know something like that where... People say, wait a second, I can't work with someone in that situation. But in this type of a situation where it really has nothing to do with the workplace and didn't happen at work, it did not involve a coworker, 
it's not a legal termination for cause. Now, there's a few lessons here, but probably the main one is, generally speaking, conduct that happens outside of work, that's not related to work, doesn't have anything to do with work and cannot be used by the employer as cause for termination. If it's not related to work, if it doesn't impact it, it's separate, it's apart. And in this case, John, it's a wrongful dismissal. His employer is going to have to pay severance. Uh, what the employer did here here was absolutely wrong. Again, 416-870-6400. Lots of time this morning for you to call in, ask your questions. 416-870-6400. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And to reach out, if you want more of a uh, private conversation with Lior, a member of his team, you can do that when the show is done. one 855 Well, the other thing I wanted to talk about right off the bat is to give an update to people, a reminder uh, about where we are in Ontario with temporary layoffs. Right. So some months ago, the government of Ontario uh, has create, created this new uh, uh, leave of absence, Infectious Disease Emergency Leave, IDEL. Essentially what it means is right now an employer can keep an employee off work until January 2nd, and come January 2nd, they either bring them back or potentially can put them on a layoff for another eight months. Now. We're going to know when, as we get closer to January 2nd, but it's quite possible and quite likely that the government is going to extend that, that IDEL period. So let's say, for example, that it's extended from January until April. That means you can continue staying off until April, and then in April, your employer can put you on another eight-month layoff, which will probably take you at that point until October or November of, of 2021. Jeez. So you may be off work at at a minimum until September of next year, potentially till the end of next year before the employer is required to make a decision about you for sure. But as bad as that sounds, it's actually not that bad. And here's the reason. Because that is only that only applies, everything I just said, if you choose to allow the employer to make the decision. Instead, you can choose to make the decision to treat this layoff, this disability leave, whatever you want to call it, as a termination. You can do that now. You could have done it months ago, and you could do that tomorrow. You don't have to wait till January, till April, till September, what have you. You have a right to treat that as a termination right now and get your severance. So the options, just to clarify, is option number one is you wait and see what the company does, in which case you may be waiting well into 2021, potentially till the end of the year. Or you can choose yourself to treat this as a termination now and get your severance right now. For many people, I think, rather than wait potentially another year, it may be better to treat the situation as a termination to get severance and part ways with compensation. Remembering, of course, that severance can be as much as two years pay. If you do want to do that, or if you want to talk about whether you should be doing that and how much severance you would be owed, by all means, and I encourage this, please give me a call. Yeah, I mean, it seems, you know, at this point with the, with the verge of a, of a second lockdown, you know, a day away, it looks like that extension is probably fairly likely from January to at least April, what you said, because I can't see things, you know, the clouds parting anytime soon in that regard. So they, they might be wise to at least call you and say, you know, I don't want to wait around for another year, especially if they've been off for a bunch of months already. That just seems like ugh, who, who would want to go through that, right? A lot of people. Thousands and thousands of people across the province, across the country, have yeah. been uh, laid off, off work since March. And a lot of them think, well, you know, come January, maybe now I'm going back to work. 
The reality is that it's extremely unlikely. Not only are you not likely going to go back, if you've been off already going, going back to work in January, you may be off for many more months to come. And that's unfortunate, and, and, and it's frustrating, and it's scary. But remember, you don't have to wait. You can, of course, but you can choose to treat that as a termination and get your severance. At a minimum, what I think you should be doing is let's find out how much severance you're owed. It's different whether you're owed two months or 24 months, right? So as a starting point, you can do that right now as, as, we, as we talk. Go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Again, it's pocketemploymentlawyer.ca to find out how much severance you're owed, and then let's talk about it. Call one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to get a hold of Lior and his team at the firm. When we're done here, things you should never do without calling Lior. First, want to start off with one of these before we get into our first break, and this one's a huge one, and that is contact the Ministry of Labor for advice, which seems the Ministry of Labor seems like a natural thing to do, right? Absolutely. So we're talking about things you should not do, at least not without having a chat with me first. Mm -hmm. So the first one is about contacting the Ministry of Labor and specifically not contacting the Ministry of Labor if you lost your job. And the reason for that is the Ministry of Labor can only advise and enforce your minimum entitlements, not your full entitlements. That means the Ministry of Labor can only help you get a small portion of what you're owed. And you may think, okay, well, that's okay. At least that's a good starting point. So why don't I do that first? Uh-uh, no, no, no. Because by contacting the Ministry of Labor and by asking the Ministry of Labor to enforce your minimum entitlements, by doing that, you're then barred, prevented from, from pursuing your full entitlements. So I'm going to give you an example that's going to make this all clear. Mm-hmm. Let's say you work for a company, I don't know, for four years, and you, you lost your job, you haven't gotten paid anything, you contact the Ministry of Labor, uh, and uh, say, how much am I owed? Four weeks, they say. Okay, Ministry of Labor, help me get my four weeks pay. Sure, you'd pursue that. Maybe they, they're able to do that, maybe not. But by doing that, you're now prevented from pursuing your full entitlements, which could be eight months pay. So just by doing that, you would have lost four or five months pay. So that is something you really got to be careful. If you lost your job, you call me. You don't call the Ministry of Labor. If you have an overtime issue, a vacation pay issue, a holiday pay issue, please, you can and you should contact the Ministry of Labor. Not if you lost your job. Never. I want to get into uh, Sally's phone call here. Sally, going to make you hold on just for one minute because I don't want to have to cut you short. So just hang on the line. Uh, Sally, we'll get to you. We're going to keep going. Employment Law Show. It's right here on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address we use. You can always go to the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Tons of information on there, absolutely free. It is anonymous, or you can contact Lior and the firm through there as well. We will get back to things you should never do without calling Lior first in just a moment. But uh, graciously hanging on through the break, Sally, thank you so much. Good morning. How are you? Hi, good morning. I was just looking for some clarification on the IDEL. I was laid off in March, put on a temporary layoff, and then it's apparently switched over to this IDEL. My contract ends on December the 31st. So I am wondering, can I file for constructive dismissal to receive severance prior to the end of my contract, which would be before this January 2nd? 
Absolutely. So the way it works actually for you is this. You were laid off in, in March. So your damages, your entitlements are the period of March until the end of the year. So you're owed those, whatever it is, nine months pay. It's, it's, it's actually a much easier situation to get you that compensation when you're on a fixed term agreement because we don't have to argue how much you should be getting, should it be this much or that much. The contract tells us how much because you had a fixed term. You're absolutely able to do that. You could do that today. You could have done that as early as March and, and you could do that later. So you certainly do not have to wait until January. Uh, the good news, Sally, this is not a, a complicated situation at all and it's even easier with you when you're on a fixed term agreement so de definitely we should connect off air and i'll be more than happy to help you get that compensation great thanks very much have a great day thank you sally appreciate your time have a safe and uh, enjoyable weekend again one 821 5900 reach out sally to leor and a member of team do so email is help at employmentlawyer.ca very simple ashu you are you're next up good morning how are you i'm good uh, how are you Hi, I, I was yeah, I was just listening to the radio program, and uh, uh, I just need some. Uh, I need uh, to ask some question. Sure, hey, go ahead. Yeah, actually, I was working with one of the prestigious company over here in Brampton, but I got injured, and uh, I was on uh, with WSIB, and they took the treatment and everything. But uh, now, after one and a half year, they gave me some permanent impairment, which is like uh, not too much. And now my workplace says that they don't have a job for me. Now, uh, Ashu, do you, you, you know something about the company. You know about their operations. Do you agree that there's no job for you? Or do you feel that if they wanted to, they could find a job for you? No, they are totally harassing me. Uh, it's just simply, it's just, if you see, the company I work with, there is 700 people working there. And I'm the only one who's going to get the COVID test. I don't see any sense. It's just simply they're uh, they're pushing too much, and I'm going to the doctor. They prescribe me. I'm uh, wasting the whatever uh, clinic they told me. I'm going to the physiotherapy. They told me I'm not going to my family doctor. Not at all. Now, Ashu, are you part of a union? I am. You are okay. So in this situation, uh, unfortunately, the only one that's able to help you is the union. So they, they're the only one that can stand up for your rights. Essentially, what has to happen here is your employer has to follow your doctor's advice. They, they can't make you go to other doctors, uh, and they have to accommodate you uh, if at all possible. But I can say this to you, but the only ones that can make it happen, the only one that can really do anything on your behalf is your union. So you have to talk to your union. You have to push your union. Uh, unfortunately, actually, there's no other options. So what uh, if union couldn't help me? I'll be of nowhere. Because that, 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 the unfortunate thing is if your union doesn't help you for whatever reason, either they don't agree with you or they don't know how to do it or they don't want to do it, yeah. your only option at that point, honestly, is to file a complaint against the union with the Ontario Labor Board. But there's not much you can do on your own or with a lawyer. It has to be the union. Okay, so this is I'm totally dependent on union, but uh, you are. there must be yeah. something. The uh, union... Uh, I don't know. I, I wish there was a different answer, Ashu. I really do. I, and, and, you know, I, I get calls like this often, too often, uh, and that there's not much that I can do, or, or any lawyers. This is not about 
Lior not wanting or not being able to help unionized employees, no lawyer can. In fact, no one other than the union can. So as it, frustrating as I know that it is, Asher, you have to talk to your union. You have to push them. They're the only ones able to do anything. Ashu, appreciate your time. Uh, moving on, Ted, good morning. Uh, good morning, my name is Ted. Uh, in my workplace, they announced last week uh, we have to wear the mask constantly eight hours. We didn't wear the mask since spring. We was working all the time, and I got some health issue. I cannot wear it constantly, the mask. So because they're changing the rules in the work, uh, can that be dismissal from work? I, I I can't work that way, wearing the mask. What is the uh, solution for this? So, so it's not a dismissal, at least not yet. Here's what needs to happen. Number one is you need to provide a doctor's note making it clear that you cannot wear your mask all day long. Now, if you can only wear it for a, a part of the day or for a certain number of hours, then the doctor's note should say that. So you can only wear a mask for two hours or whatever it is. So that has mm -hmm. to happen. Once you provide them with a doctor's note, they have to decide and determine whether they can accommodate you uh, while still making sure that the workplace is safe. So depending okay. on your work environment, yes, you may not have to wear a mask. Maybe you work in an area that's not a lot of people around or an office. So, so they have to find a way to accommodate you. If it's not possible, if they have to have a mask because now wearing a mask is going to put others in danger, then at that point, they have to allow you to take a, 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 a medical leave. You could qualify for government benefits potentially in that situation until either there's no requirement to wear a mask, number one, or your medical condition improves. But it starts with a doctor's note. Okay. But uh, let's say in your region, uh, health, your region department, it's exemption. And when I read everything, you don't have to tell them why you cannot wear the mask. You don't have to tell them why, but you have to tell them that there's a medical reason. You don't have to tell them if it's yes. asthma so or be, uh, something else. You work uh, doctor or not, yes? That's the law? It, it has to be from a doctor saying that you can now wear a mask. They don't have a right to know what the condition is, yes, but they do have to know that there's a medical reason as opposed to you just deciding you don't want to wear a mask. You, you absolutely have to have something from a doctor. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ted. Appreciate that. And uh, thanks for clarifying that, Lee Oregon. Uh, you know, prognosis, not diagnosis, right? That's always what we talk about on the show. They can't ask you why you need the mask, but it's the fact that it's backed by uh, a doctor's order, a doctor's note, that's good enough, right? And, and that, that doesn't just apply in the COVID-19 situation. Anytime right. you're asking for accommodation, maybe it has nothing to do with COVID-19. You have a, a, a bad back or, or you have a medical condition that requires you to uh, work modified duties or modified hours. What you have to tell your employer is that, yes, there is a medical condition, and here's the accommodation that I need. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also tell them, you know, how, or they can ask you about how long that's going to be and, you know, when uh, the accommodation is going to no, uh, no longer be needed. We call that prognosis. What they don't have a right, a right to ask is, well, tell me what the medical condition is. Tell me what specialist you're seeing or what treatment you're getting. Uh, or you have to go see another doctor. No, those things are offside. They cannot ask that. So yeah. prognosis, yes, absolutely. Diagnosis, absolutely not. Again, your calls. Bring it on. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. You got plenty of uh, plenty of time this morning to uh, to ask your questions and get some answers from Lior anytime you want to go to the website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Absolutely free. Again, ton of information there. That's uh, anonymous, but there is a contact button. 
on the website as well. And the emails, which we'll uh, endeavor to get to a little later on this morning, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Things you should never do without calling Lior first, and this is it, especially now. Super important in a temporary layoff situation. Sit home and wait to be called back to work. That could take literally forever. <laughs> it is, <laughs> and it can. Uh, so what I mean by that is this. Obviously, one of the options you have, if you've been off work, if you're on a layoff, one of the options is to wait and wait and see what happens. Well, and that's okay, but don't do that without at least speaking to me first. And and here's why. Number one is you could be waiting a long, long time. We talked about that right at the beginning of the show. Uh, you could be waiting until at some point towards the end of next year or potentially even, depending on what happens, into 2022. So that's how long you could be waiting. So right there is uh, is a reason why you may not necessarily want to wait, keeping in mind that you don't have to. Another reason is by waiting at, waiting too long, you may actually run out of the time to pursue your matter or you may be considered at some point to have accepted the layoff. Remember, you don't have to wait. You, you, you can choose to treat the layoff as a termination. You can choose to force the company to pay you the severance that you are legally owed. So those are the options that you have. So before you decide to wait because you think maybe you don't have a choice, Let's talk. You don't want to give up your rights. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're without income or just with government benefits for God knows how long. So let's talk uh, about it before you make any decisions, before you even respond to your employer. If they ask you, are you okay with this? Let's do this right and ensure your uh, rights are absolutely protected. Well, I mean, this is this is always important. Something you've echoed even before COVID nineteen and then and the shutdown, the lockdown. Because as you mentioned off the top, we're headed to another lockdown in a day from now, and it could be extended. And people sit around, you know, not taking advantage of giving you a call, and not working. Nobody wants that, right? There's going to be, unfortunately, more workplaces that are going to be uh, shutting down or or even cutting costs and and. Putting more people on layoffs uh, and reducing their workforce, etc. But remember, just because it's COVID-19, it doesn't mean that that's a legal thing. Now, if a business is forced to shut down because of these uh, closures that we have coming, if it's forced to shut down, cannot be open, mm-hmm. then yes, there's not much you could do at that point because the company couldn't have you there even if they want to. But if a business is absolutely allowed to be open, but given everything they have to reduce costs, they still have severance obligations, even if they put you on a temporary layoff. So this can't be nuanced. That's why it's so, so important to get that advice so that you know what to do. and, And we can always discuss whether what your employer is doing is right or not. Or how about the fact that, you know, so many businesses didn't get through the first shutdown and you know that the second shutdown, it's just going to be the straw that broke the camel's back. And once your job, who you're off on temporary layoff, what if they go out of business? What if they're bankrupt? Then what happens? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So if you're, John, that's a that's a, such a good point is that if you're sitting at home thinking right now, do I kind of pursue this? Do I not? Do I get my severance? Do I not? Well, the problem is if you wait too long, the reality is, and it's a sad reality, but reality nonetheless, that your employer may not be around for too long to allow you to make that decision. So if you say, well, let's see what happens six months from now, well, great, but if your employer is not going to make it through six months, they're not going to pay you severance because there's going to be no ability to pay you severance. So you may want to pursue it right now so that you get the compensation that you're owed while you're still able to do it, Uh, not something you want to sit on. Yeah, because, I mean, there's so many people that are businesses that aren't going to get it through. I want to get to Izzy in here quickly before we uh, break. Hey, Izzy, how are you? Good morning. Hi. Um, 
This is my question. This is about my wife. She was she broke her foot at work, and she was on WSIB until uh, WSIB discharged her. But she cannot drive to work, and the employer used to provide a taxi to pick her up because she's doing modified duties. Now the employer doesn't want to provide transport. Uh, what can uh, she do? Uh, is, is she part of a union? I'm sorry? Is she part of a union? No, she's not. Okay. So her employer does have to accommodate her. Now, they may also have, part as part of this accommodation, they may have to provide transport. It does depend on the cost of that. Uh, it's not something that I would say they would have to do forever to provide the transport for her. It's one of those things that they would only have to do for a period of time because it can get pretty costly. So they do have to provide her with a job that she can do. They do have to provide her with modified duties, of course, but they would not have the legal obligation to provide uh, a transport forever unless there was no cost. If there was someone already driving past there or there's no cost for them to provide the transport, sure, they, they would have to do that potentially forever. But if it's a cost, and it certainly adds up over time, that may be a bit too much for them to have to do. But they do have to provide a accommodation in terms of her responsibilities. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Izzy. Appreciate that. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, Darren, hang on, fella. You are coming up next. In the meantime, we'll take a quick break here and get right back to it. Employment Law Show. You want to reach out to Lior, help at employmentlawyer.ca and pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, the website as well. We'll take a short break. Coming right back. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Employment Law Show. Darren, thank you so much for standing by. Good morning. Good morning. I uh, Go just ahead. had a question about uh, bereavement. Uh, the place where I work before the pandemic, my father-in-law passed away and my wife and I had to fly across country to go and uh, to the funeral and I asked for a leave of absence with no pay, and when I got back, they took uh, holidays out of the next year to take or compensate from when I was gone, and they told me they did not offer bereavement days. Uh, how many days were you gone, uh, Darren? Uh, I was gone a week. So in, uh, in Ontario, an employer has to give you uh, two uh, unpaid days uh, of, of bereavement leave per year. So what happens is if you are gone more than that, they can try to compensate that in different ways. So two days they have to, doesn't matter what they want to or what they offer, anything beyond two days, it's kind of up to the employer to decide how they're going to do it and how they're going to administer it. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. The reason they gave I work for a, I'm a farm worker. I work on a family farm. So they said since they're not an incorporated entity, they don't have to offer me any bereavement days. Yeah, it is different with with the farm. They, they they have different rules, so so they are correct. Unfortunately, it's one of those uh, exceptions that that uh, the Employment Standards Act provides with respect to bereavement leave. So unfortunately, they are correct in this situation there, and because it's a farm, I should have probably asked uh, right off the top what type of an employer, but but they're correct. 
Okay, and that that goes as far as the same rules apply if it was a direct family member, like a mother or father, to me. Yes, it it would apply in that situation as well. I, I don't don't ask me why. I'm not even going to try to guess, but that does apply in that situation as well. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Darren. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Appreciate the call, Ahmed. Good morning. How are uh, you? Uh, hi. Good morning, sir. I have a question. Uh, like I was working like a couple of years ago in Burlington in a factory, and uh, I got injured, and I my left finger, like off the left hand, was amputated. And I was off like for a couple of months, and my company, the I was on WSIB, and then I called WSIB for a claim, and they gave me like a two-month pay, like with the deductions as they normally pay, and a recovery after a small recovery benefit after one month, uh, one year. And my question is that at the time when I was when I was injured. I was working two jobs, like uh, Uber, and I was making like like good money in the other job as well. But at that time, my with my company job, it affected my the other job as well because I was like uh, I I was unable to work like two three months. So, but WSIB they said they can only pay for the company. So. As I, I'm eligible to get the other benefit as well, like because I lost my other job as well, like two, three months I didn't work. And so, unfortunately, Ahmed, because right now, as things stand, uh, Uber drivers are not considered to be employees, then the WSIB rules don't apply to them, or WSIB coverage doesn't apply to them. Uh, that's something that I, I feel strongly about, and I'm involved right now in a case against Uber. To make all to, to classify all the uh, Uber drivers as employees, unfortunately, this doesn't help you right now. It may help you if and when we're able to resolve the case, but until that changes, until the Uber drivers are considered in the eyes of the law to be employees, because you were not an employee for that second job, the Uber job, then there's yeah. no compensation at this point for that. Well, like I was getting paid like uh, directly every weekly. I was getting a good paycheck from the Uber, sure. and I was having the other job as well. The other job where I was injured, and it affected my both uh, the Uber pay as well. Like I lost decent amount I was making with the Uber. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. So I tried to like uh, explain to the agent with the WSIB, but they denied my claim. So. Is there any anything we can try or no? No, at this point, unfortunately, there there isn't because uh, uh, WSIB doesn't cover cover Uber drivers because oh, okay. you're not considered to be an employee. So unfortunately, employee. Ahmed, there's nothing okay. that can be done about that. But that could be changing at some point down the road. Okay, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Ahmed. Appreciate that. You want to reach out further anytime to get a hold of uh, Lior and his team. Here's how you do that. one 855 Hi, Kim. Thanks for hanging on. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? Great. What's uh, what's on your mind? Um, my question is, I'm in sales and I was hired by a new company um, just over a year ago uh, under contract. So during the COVID, I was actually laid off and received employment insurance. And when I went back to work, um, my pay was cut. So while I was off, my contract was complete over the year. So when I was um, called back to work, my contract, um, I don't know if my contract at that point was nil and void. 
but um, it completely changed after, and they cut back my pay. Now, so did, you, my question, did you sign a new contract, uh, Kim? No, actually, he hasn't um, done up any new contract whatsoever, and he just cut my pay without even telling me. Okay. So the contract that you signed back then is, is expired, so you're now considered an employee under an oral agreement, meaning you're a regular indefinite hire. So if your employer changed your compensation, by how much? What kind of percentage did he change? Um, it was probably 25%. Okay. So anytime we're beyond 10 or even 15%, we're in constructive dismissal territory, meaning you now have the option potentially to treat this reduction as a termination and require your, uh, your employer to pay you severance. Now, how long have you been working under this reduced pay? Um, since probably two months now. So we are now oof, pretty tight. And what I mean by that is the fact that once your pay is reduced and you continue working, you're considered to have accepted this reduction. And once you've accepted it, there's nothing that you can do about it. Two months is probably a bit more than I would have wanted you to. If you said that one month, I'd say you were, you're good. But here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to reach out to me off air. Let's see if there's still a way to pursue this if we want to. The problem is this. If you continue working as is, number one, you, could be, you, you will be making this reduced pay uh, indefinitely, but you also may have given the company the right to reduce your pay again. So if next month they reduce it by another 25%, there won't be anything you can do about it. So we really want to see if we can do something about it now. I, I'm, I, I'm a bit worried about the two-month two uh, two uh, period. I wish you would have, uh, if possible, <laughs> contacted me sooner. But let's yeah. not sit on this. You know, it's already been two months. I want you to reach out to me uh, right away on Monday so we can discuss this, okay? Okay. All right. That sounds good. Thank you, Kim, so much. Uh, thanks for your time. Here is that number to reach out if you didn't get it down already. one 821 help at employmentlawyer.ca. Going to take uh, one more final break here before we get back to it. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. In between, get back to our list of things you should never do without calling Lior first. Uh, this one is either at the beginning of a job or midstream that is signed an employment agreement, especially if you're already employed. So if you ask people, you know, what, what's the most important thing about an employment agreement or, or what's the most important term? Mm -hmm. Well, I think 99% are going to say, well, the salary. Of course, sure. it's the salary. What's the second most important thing? And they'll probably say, well, it's vacation pay or it's bonus. Uh, well, no, uh, th those are obviously important, but there's other important terms. And, and let's take a step back for those that may not have heard us talk about this before. And let me say that for a, an employer... Having a proper employment agreement with an employee is extremely important. For an employee, you are far better off not having any employment agreement and working on a handshake or working on something signed in crayon on the back of a napkin. That's much, much better than having a 10-page employment agreement because I can promise you that in those 10 pages, there's going to be plenty of terms that are unfavorable to you. All right? An employer that asks you to sign an employment agreement, especially if you're already employed, 
is doing that because there's rights in that employment agreement that are better for them. There's rights that you will be giving up. For example, th uh, terms that limit your severance, terms that allow the company to lay you off temporarily, terms that allow the company to change your job, to change your compensation, to relocate you, and more. So you have to be very, very careful always. And let me give you an example. An employee may be very concerned when they sign an agreement whether the salary is 68000 or 70000 Okay. But by signing it, they, what they may actually be doing is allowing the company to let them go at any time, pay them almost nothing. Oh, and by the way, in that situation, they can't work in the industry for two years. Now, are you still as concerned now about whether your salary is 68000 or 70000 Potentially yeah. not. So if you're asked to sign an employment agreement and you're already working, don't do it. At least don't do it without talking to me first. If you're applying for a job and your employer just offered you an employment agreement to sign, great, congratulations. But let's review it. Let's understand what we're agreeing to and let's talk about how we can potentially negotiate terms that are unfavorable. I want to grab another phone call. Uh, Johnny, thanks for standing by. Good morning. Morning, sir. What's going okay, on? Okay, question is, I hired a guy... Uh, uh, like as a general helper, you can say, in my shop, I'm a cabinet maker, and basically a general helper, so he's not using any machines, he's not doing anything, he's just, you know, moving stuff around at the shop and that kind of thing. First day was good, second day he decides, all of a sudden there's nobody in the shop, he decides to uh, have fun with one of the machines that he got hurt. Oh, wow. And I drove his dumbass to the hospital, and it's been... Four days now, I've been trying to call him. Like, I just want to know how he's doing, right? Uh, I'm just curious to know what are my obligations? What, what, like, what do you do in a situation like that? So this is a, a kind of a, of a tricky situation, uh, but here's kind of how I would look at it. Now, depending on what he did, in terms of how, how irresponsible it was of him to be playing around with that machine, if it was right. a, a big deal, if he really should have known better, if it was completely irresponsible, you may be able to say, well, by doing that, by being so careless and irresponsible, now I have cause to let you go because what you did is a big deal. You put yourself and others at risk. Now, right. if it was a minor thing, he should. He, he didn't no, he got hurt pretty bad. <laughs> no, no, I know, but I, I know that he got hurt. But if it's one of those things where he may not have known that it's a big deal, he just started, so he thought it was okay, then you can't do anything at this point other than allow him to be off work. He does have right. to provide you at some point in the very near future with the doctor's note. Uh, and if a doctor says he needs to be off work, he can be off work. And when he's ready right. to come back to work, you need to see if there's a job available for him at that point. But uh, well, I, I would consider right now how big a deal it was his mistake. Not, not how badly he got hurt. I know he got hurt badly. It's yeah. whether or not the fact that he was even playing around with that machine, was it something he was completely careless and irresponsible? Or you know what? He just started. He didn't know any better. Uh, it was an honest mistake. So look at right. it that way. Question is, is, am I obligated to hire him back? Well, th that's what I'm saying. It does depend on whether you have cause to let him go. If if he oh. if he was completely irresponsible, you should have known better. Then you can let him yeah. go for cause. Don't have to bring him back. If oh. if it's not like that, then you you do have to bring him back if at all possible when he's ready to return to work. All right. Thank you, Mary, very much. Thanks, Johnny. Appreciate that. Sounds like you're going to want a further conversation sometime uh, down the road in the near future. You can do so. Reach out to uh, to Lior and a member of his team. one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer. 
Lior.ca. Get a couple more of these in in the last couple minutes of the show. Things you should never do without calling Lior first. Sign the severance letter. Yeah, no kidding, right? Once you sign that severance letter, regardless of how bad it is and how much money you're giving up, there's no going back. It's not one of those things where I signed it, but I didn't know what I was really owed, so clearly I can go back on that. No, unfortunately, you cannot. And if you sign that offer and you realize you're owed another $100,000, is as crazy as that might, might sound, you cannot go back, you cannot undo it, you cannot say, I didn't know. Most people, the vast majority, when they're let go, are they're offered a lot less than what they're owed, a lot less. So you can almost assume that if you're staring at that severance package, you're owed more. Please, please do not sign it without speaking to me. If you do, uh, I cannot help you, and you'll find out once it's too late that you were owed more. And we've uh, done complete shows on this one, and that is make assumptions as to their status as independent contractor. The vast majority of people that believe that they're actually independent contractors are really, in the eyes of the law, employees. And remember, the law makes that decision. You don't decide if you're an employee. I don't decide if you're an employee. The law makes that decision. If you have a regular job, you go to work, you do your job, you come home, you go back the next day to do the same thing, you are an employee. It's as simple as that. So if you've been misclassified, you have entitlements, overtime, vacation pay, severance, so please don't assume that just because you signed something says that you're an independent contractor or just because you're paying your taxes like an independent contractor, it does not mean that you are. You are probably an employee being misclassified. Happens all the time. If it happens to you, probably something you want to talk about with me as soon as possible. We'll wrap this one up quick here with uh, with an email. Uh, Sam says, I just found out that one of my employees who is on parental leave as a new father is actually working somewhere else. Do I have to take him back at the end of the leave? No, you do not have to take him back. That's inappropriate. That yeah. That's being dishonest, so you can absolutely let him go in that situation. And we're done for a, uh, another day. You want to reach out now, you can do so, no problem. one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca and also pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. If you just go to employmentlawyer.ca, the website, you will catch links to our television show as well. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.